Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program, asking Allah that it serves as a benefit for all. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters and welcome to our live episode tonight of Misconceptions Around the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I'm your host Abu Abdurrahman and I'm very pleased to be joined tonight by my dear beloved Sheikh, Sheikh Arshad Khan. Assalamu alaikum Sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you today? Alhamdulillah, I'm good. Alhamdulillah. It's good to have you back live. Yeah, alhamdulillah, another session on the Seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu and the Orientalists has been about uh, six weeks, I believe. Alhamdulillah. This is episode number three. Whoever has missed the first few episodes can find them in the description there on the live YouTube feed and uh, also on our uh, Facebook page on ASWJ Australia. So this is episode number three. Sheikh, maybe just a quick recap on what you've taken in the first few, just generally overview. General overview, we went into the... uh, the definition of uh, orient, uh, Orientalism and uh, the, some of the prominent Orientalists in the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, we looked at uh, their approaches um, with regards to uh, the seerah and um, uh, and uh, how they approach the Quranic text and, and the uh, prophetic hadith in establishing uh, the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, the Sheikh, uh, you know, one of the fascinating parts of the Sira I like learning about is the Prophet's early life. Yeah. Um, and as you know, in, in many of the books, they start speaking about his lineage, his family status, where he's from. And generally, you know, uh, you know, growing up reading the basic Sira books and in, in the more advanced, we see that most people, uh, when they approach this part of the Prophet's life, his early life, and also his family lineage, they speak about it in a glowing manner, in a praiseworthy manner. In other words, that, you know, such sayings that we've become familiar with, that the Prophet ﷺ said, I am the best in person and in family. And that he is from, you know, noble lineage all the way through. You know, there was no zina in his in his uh, family line, um, if you want to put it in that way. Now, but sadly, at the same time, we come across some of the things that the Orientalists have made up assumptions or suggestions uh, regarding the initial uh, phase of the Prophet's life. Now, regarding his family status, what's so special about his status uh, and uh, you know what noble lineage is he from? So we know that as uh, Muslims, we know through our study of the seerah of the Prophet وسلم, that he comes from the noble, uh, comes from a noble lineage. And this, this is well established in the uh, the, the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu the Banu Hashim. And this is an established fact amongst the Muslims. Now what the Orientalists uh, do with regards to the early uh, phase of the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they made a few assumptions regarding the initial phases of his life. Of them, they have made some assumptions regarding the family status of the Prophet ﷺ. As we know, the Rasul ﷺ came from a noble lineage, uh, Banu Hashim, and it was well established amongst the Meccans as well, um, and it was well known. Sheikh, uh, b- before we continue, just quickly, I know you want to speak yeah. more about the, the status of the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, regarding his lineage, uh, Hashim is, is from the, 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 the noble Quraysh tribe, yep. which was basically one of... 
the most respected tribe in Arabia, and they are from the descendants of the Prophet Ismail, yep. the son of Ibrahim alayhi salam. So that in and of itself, for many who don't know, that is a noble lineage in and of itself that they're descendants of prophets. Yeah, excellent. So subhanAllah, his lineage goes all the way up to um, Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam, and that is noble in it of itself. And subhanAllah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the lineage of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from any, um, any uh, un-Islamic relationships. That uh, marriage out of wedlock, they'll ma- say today in today's stance, maybe you can word it in that way. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's correct. So, marriage out of wedlock, so there was no uh, marriages within the Prophet's lineage all the way up to Prophet Ibrahim and then further up. Um, there was out of wedlock, excellent. Now, now, um, we've discussed before many times how the Prophet Ibrahim and Ismail got to Mecca and how Mecca, you know, was uh, the. The Kaaba was built there by Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam and Ismail, and Ismail, you know, married from the tribe of Jurham, who were a Yemeni Arab tribe, and uh, he married from them, and he, the descendants from his descendants was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi is Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn uh, Abdul Muttalib bin Hashim bin Abd Manaf, and they're from Quraysh. Yeah, um, and it's a noble lineage. Now, which angle do they do they deny that he's from a noble lineage, or they they come up with assumptions and suggestions which are just basically they 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 take some source maybe and just stretch it out and give it a false interpretation? What is it? That's correct. So they take some uh, Quranic text and and prophetic hadith and they um, give a misinterpretation of 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 those verses. Um, that they have selected. So that's their approach with regards to the lineage of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and they try to prove the fact that he was um, uh, not from a noble family. Uh, he had humble beginnings. That he was uh, his lineage was, or his ba- background was un- unimportant amongst the the the, the Quraysh. Sounds like character assassination here. Yeah, Trying it is. Basically, yeah. the little that he. It is. So if if you look at uh, the intention behind. Uh, the um, uh, this claim that the Prophet Sallallahu is not from a noble family and he was uh, unimportant um, this sets the ground of uh, the assumptions that are to come afterwards so okay. here it, it has a greater link um, which they'll link it back to his uh, his prophethood so they would say that uh, he was not from a noble family. He was unimportant. So he had a point to prove. He had a motive now to prove the pagans wrong by claiming prophethood. Mm. So this sets the ground. These assumptions sets the ground uh, to to a greater assumption that the Prophet ﷺ had a uh, motive uh, of of, of uh, becoming a prophet. Now, who 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 was from the main Orientalists that came up with these assumptions and theories and, and pushed them in the last century? So, if you look at our uh, previous podcast, it was uh, David Samuel Margolith, um, the British Orientalist. Mm. Yeah. Now he he his book from from what we mentioned faced scrutiny uh, scrutiny because of the biased interpretations he had, didn't it? Yeah, and his reliance upon. Uh, uh, text um, and 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 uh, uh, this this Orientalist was in the 1940s. And we yeah. mentioned that how he would use misuse ayat or use ayat in isolation of other ayat or not use the hadith to interpret the ayat. 
That's correct, yeah. And we'll see that, inshallah, as as in the podcast, that uh, how he took some of the verses out of context and misinterpreted it intentionally, of course, um, in order to propose his uh, assumption. And this is not only this mm. is from the the Sunnah. We can say the practices of the people of yeah. of, of misguidance and the people of innovation to take one ayah without the other ayah, or to take the Quran without the Sunnah, or yeah. to use out of out of uh, out of context, or to have far, far, you know far fetched interpretation to their own desires. Yes, Subhanallah, and you can do that with anything. If you were to take things out of context, you'll prove anything, or you'll you'll um, come up with uh, ajaib. Um, strange things if you don't if you just isolate uh, one verse and um, with the exception of the uh, with the with, the, um, with overlooking other verses and a hadith and, and, and texts Sheikh let's, let's tackle yeah. some of their assumptions and, 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 and mention what they say and, and, and inshallah explain uh, the correct view and the correct way to understand uh, these points yeah so with regards to his uh, lineage and proving that he comes from, um, well, if you look at the early stages, you'll find that there are four categories that the Orientalists tackle. The first is his family status and what they try to do here, and that's the topic of discussion in today's podcast. Um, what they try to do here is they uh, they put, up, put forth an assumption that he came from uh, an unimportant family, his background was not known, and that hence gave him the motive to claim uh, prophethood. Um, they also have uh, some statements around his names, and they also look at, uh, in in particular to his early stages, the incident of the opening of the chest. Excellent. And they link it to epilepsy, and we'll look at that in 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 so detail. Inshallah, we'll be yeah. looking at you know regarding his name and the importance of, of, of knowing his names and the importance of also something maybe we can yeah. mention quickly regarding when he's when we mention his name to say sallallahu alaihi wasallam how important is that sheikh it's very important the prophet sallallahu described uh, the one who fails to mention uh, sallallahu alaihi wasallam um, as a person that's uh, stingy um, uh, so we need to be careful and of course um, we need to also understand that when we do write uh, in our writings, we sometimes abbreviate Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to an S or S A W. Yeah, and that's um, according to the scholars of Islam and guidance of the scholars of the Salaf Salih. And uh, they said that this is something uh, wrong and disrespectful with regards to the Prophet. Sallam, we should write it in full. So having Arabic, to, I think sometimes they put the, just one letter as well. Sad and yeah. yeah. So, so write it in full. Write it in full, um, and because this is the guidance um, that the scholars have given us, and of course it's part of respecting the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's name. So, so Sheikh, we said that, that inshallah we're going to tackle what the Orientalists have, uh, you know, have the, the assumptions they've come up with regarding the early phase of his life. We said family status, yeah, his name. The incident of the splitting of the chest and the fourth one? Fourth one will be his meeting with uh, Bahira the monk. Um, That's and interesting. Yeah, because uh, we were just talking about it prior to the podcast that some scholars have authenticated the um, the story and others have um, kept it as being uh, true. So all this we can see is from the early part of his life. Uh, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, from memory, most of the commentators of history say that he went with his uncle to... Syria, 
Yeah. And saw the monk when he was around 12 years old. So yeah, I, yeah. So that's that's uh, uh, written in the in, in the books of history as well that uh, Abu Bakr and um, Bilal accompanied him in that trip. Uh, but we'll look at uh, we'll deconstruct that and uh, in 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 greater detail. The fact of Abu Bakr and uh, especially Bilal, Bilal going with him, which is really yeah a controversial topic, which many other ulama actually weakened. Yeah. Weakened, yeah. So um, let's let's tackle the first. Point and the main aim or the main topic for today's uh, podcast regarding how the assumptions and suggestions regarding the family status of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Where do we start? So the first thing that you'll notice um, regarding the views of the Orientalists and the early life of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, they attempt to show that he belonged to an unimportant and a very humble family of Mecca, um, and the suggestion was put forward. Uh, by the Orientalist uh, Magolith, and uh, we mentioned him in our previous podcast. Yes, um, uh, and uh, of course his book uh, faced a lot of scrutiny uh, because of the biased interpretations, and you'll see that uh, as as the podcast goes forward. And and he was also scrutinized of the sources that he relied upon. Now his arguments are as follows, and. What is he trying to prove here? He's trying to prove that the Prophet ﷺ belonged to an unimportant family. So the first statement that he mentions in his works is that the Quraysh in the Qur'an, they wondered why a prophet should be sent to them who is who was not of, of noble birth. So this is the claim that he puts forth. He says that in the Qur'an, this is his statement, the Quraysh in the Qur'an wonder why a prophet should be sent to them who was not of noble birth. This is a claim, and we'll look at that inshallah as the podcast continues. His second assumption that he puts, uh, or arguments that he puts forward uh, for this assumption is that at the height of his power, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was compared by the Quraysh to a palm springing out of a dunghill. So basically, this is a, a, a metaphor that is used to high, highlight how he وسلم, emerged from uh, an unimportant family, ignoble background, to become someone of significance in in, in, in Is that similar in to history. how they say a rose that grew, grew out of concrete? Is that what they say? That's, yeah, that's correct, yeah. So because of uh, his, his, what's the point that they're trying to prove here? That he's not from a noble family and he grew out of that to become mm, someone interesting. who uh, became significant. So that's um, another argument that he puts forward to, uh, for his claim. And inshallah, we'll look at that. Sure. Um, the third argument that he puts forward that that in Fatul Makkah uh, is entry into Makkah that he when he entered into Makkah he he destroyed the concept or the the, the governance of power that was placed in the hands of small privileged uh, uh, ruling class so he destroyed that concept. Why? Because he himself did not uh, belong to that ruling class or was not from that noble uh, family. So he destroyed that concept. Um, so that's one of the arguments that he uses. Uh, 
the fourth argument that he uses that he وسلم, rejected the title that was given to him as 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 master or uh, son yeah uh, or the son of our master offered to him um, and he accepted to be called by um, some uh, devo- devotee um, so this is also another argument that he uses that look he rejected um, the title of master but he accepted uh, the title of becoming a, de- a devotee which shows that he was not from a noble um, family uh, the fifth argument that he puts forth um, is that the grandfather of Abdul Muttalib, uh, of the Prophet of Abdul Muttalib, he was engaged in money lending, which was a profession that was um, uh, that was of little esteem in the eyes of the Arabs at that time. And if he was involved in the digging of Zamzam, he when he found Zamzam, the Zamzam water. He made it uh, portable by uh, making it, meaning he made it uh, drinkable by mixing it with camel's milk, honey, and raisins to make profit out of it. So his digging of the well of Zamzam had some monetary benefit to it. That's what his claim is. Hence, um, when he started, uh, uh, when people started selling water or the waterer and the ent- entertainer around the, uh, the the Kaaba, when they would sell the water, um, it was a the the the. Later uh, Orientalists, they claimed that this was uh, a post of honor. However, the Prophet ﷺ, afterwards, he forbade the, the sale of water. Uh, because it was, why did he forbade it? Because it was a, a not a noble uh, profession. Um, this is their argument. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, uh, his grandfather, when he dug uh, the water, um, he was uh, known as a moneylender, Low, which is a you know one of, one of the low class professions of society at that time, um, and also uh, the sales of water. The Prophet forbade it. Why? To distance himself from um, uh, being a being known as a person that uh, linked to an, a profession that's not noble. And um, of course, uh, going off onto that, uh, the name Abdul Muttalib. They and of course this is a lesson. In itself, they said that uh, uh, the grandfather of the Prophet was the slave of uh, al, uh, the slave, which means the slave of Al Muttalib. Um, they say, look, the 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 Sira scholars they give it a fancy explanation mm-hmm. of it, um, which we were uh, talking about before. Which is basically that his his brother uh, or his uncle uh, picked up his brother's son, his nephew. So Abdul Abdul Muttalib was the the, the nephew of Muttalib. His father died, uh, Hashim, in uh, in Medina. Or he was there in Medina with his mother. Muttalib went there, grabbed him, got him to Mecca. Oh, he's Abdul Muttalib. He's Muttalib, the uncle of this young child, Shaiba. Oh, he's he's bought a slave, Abdul Muttalib. Yeah, yeah and that's the that's what they're saying is a fanciful explanation, which is you know in the Sirah. Which is yeah, which is in the Sirah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So. They say that this fancy explanation is not true. He was actually uh, a slave, which then he That's he was it. then freed, and then he then enrolled himself somehow into the Hashim clan. Um, that's, that's, yeah, so I think their I think their interpretation is more far fetched than because you can you know like it's what's interesting is like if you lineage is something which the Arabs preserved, and yeah. if it was if it was something which um, was how can we say short. 
they would have attacked the Prophet from this angle, but you don't see that, do we? No, we don't. But <laughs> interestingly enough, the, the, the Orientalists, they impose it, this type of interpretation. Yes, that's right. And um, alhamdulillah, our um, heritage, our uh, knowledge has the Isnad system. So we can really go back to the Isnad system and look at our books of Sirah and Hadith to verify and authenticate stories. Whereas the Orientalist, what they do is just based on uh, putting forward logic before um, before the actual interpretation of the texts. So, Taqdimul uh, Aqal, which they, uh, they, they try to uh, put forth uh, put forward critical thinking over the actual meaning of the text. Now, Abdul Muttalib, just to, to clarify, I'm sure we're going to get in more detail. Abdul Muttalib, Sheikh, uh, initially his name was Shaiba. Yeah. So he was he was um, he had some some white streaks in his hair when he was born. They 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 were said, and in in his father had died. Yeah. So Muttalib was the uncle of this Shaiba. So he took him to Mecca uh, as a young child, and. They thought that Muttalib bought a slave, as we were saying, and that's why he got the name Abdul Muttalib. So when you see Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib, this is who we're talking about here, yeah. the grandfather of the Prophet Alhamdulillah. Which is a, quite interesting, that, that that point of view, that he was not of noble lineage and he was a slave and he he, 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 he threw himself into the Hashim clan because he was basically the leader of the clan when he was alive. Yeah. Know, like, <laughs> and that's what history tells us. Yeah, and so this, this is where they ignore these facts. Uh, to to uh, impose their their opinions on us. Um, Subhanallah. If you look at uh, the the arguments that Magalith uh, used to show uh, to to prove his uh, um, theory is far fetched and away from the truth, and it's a, a gross twisting and concealing of material facts. What are material facts? Is incidents that they. Uh, that are very important in history uh, that uh, that we use to come uh, to a uh, conclusion. So they he hides or conceals these material facts that happened, and which we'll see inshallah, um, where he hides it, um, and then this gives a different interpretation. So he, he doesn't look at the full picture. He he skips out, uh, misplaces. Uh, suppresses incidents and material facts that will give a different or the true understanding of the event. Interesting. So, uh, are they all the are they all the points he, he made, Sheikh, or there's more? Uh, there's there's more. So, if you look at the first argument of uh, of Magalith, um, if we would go back to the first argument, we said mm. that uh, uh, his first argument was that the Quraysh in the Quran. Uh, wondered why a prophet is sent um, from them who is not of noble birth. This is a, his claim. And the first evidence that he uh, uses and twists and tampers with is the, uh, uh, I believe we're going to show it up there. Yeah, the ayah? Yep. Is, man, the ayah? <laughs> is surah number yeah, 43. Surah 43, ayah 31. <coughs> We're going to get it up there for our viewers, insha'Allah. So they can follow along, bi'ithmillahi ta'ala. So this is the verse that he uses to prove that he is not from a uh, noble family. Amongst the Makkans, they came up. Give us the thumbs up when it's there. So it, it's quite interesting that they, you know, they try to, you know, become 
So he uses that, uh, Allah says in the Quran translated, why is not this Quran sent down to a big man of the two cities? So the translation of that verse is, why wasn't this Quran? Why is not this Quran sent down to a a big man or a great, great man, man yeah. um, from the two cities of Mecca and Taif. So why? So what my uh, the the Orientalist uh, what they do here is this they they are in he or he's misinterpreting the verse intentionally, of course, to say that look the 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 reason that the Quraysh are saying this is that the Prophet was not from a noble family. Mm. Um, that's why they're asking this question. That the Quran was revealed down to us, uh, revealed down. But why wasn't it sent down to a leader um, uh, of, of of these two cities? But the correct tafsir of that, or the interpretation, or the meaning of it, is that the people of the Quraysh, in their false pride and arrogance, they used to say that the post of messengership of prophethood should be given to someone like Walid ibn Mughira. Um, of Mecca or Urwa ibn Mas'ud of Ta'if who had these two individuals had worldly uh, dignity and, and wealth so it should have been given to, down to um, either one of these two men instead of Prophet Muhammad wasallam, and it was also uh, due to their lack of intelligence and uh, the utmost degree of materialistic thinking so they really weren't targeting his family status. That's that's the they weren't targeting his family oh, status. Well, I mean, However, this Orientalist he's painting a different picture. No. He's saying that look, in the Quran it says that uh, the the pagans are asking why wasn't it sent down to uh, two uh, leaders of these uh, two cities? Um it is because you know he was not known, his lineage was not known, he was not noble. Um uh, like what the uh, Sirah historians have said. But however, if you look at the actual tafsir of it, that's why it's important for us Muslims to go back to the books of tafsir and to read uh, what these verses um, actually mean. No. So in their, in their materialistic thinking, they used, uh, that they um, used to consider wealth as, as, a, as a great... As something that denotes a person's leadership. Um, however, if you look at uh, the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at, if you have a clean heart, purified soul, highest degree of morals, which the pro- and the, 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 the virtues of sacred perfections, which the Prophet sallallahu had, all of these qualities. Okay? Um, and uh, hence, he sallallahu became deserving of prophethood. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked at those qualities. Um, rather than what the Quraysh were thinking about, that uh, leadership should be given to those who have uh, um, uh, wealth mat- and yeah, yeah. they're already leaders. In other yeah. words, so he uses another verse. So I hope the audience they 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 understand how uh, this Orientalist he twists the meaning of the verse here. Um, says as I, and off this point, as I mentioned earlier, it is very important, brothers and sisters, that we go back to the. The, the, the correct books of Aqidah, the correct books of Tafsir, um, to understand what is the actual context. No. Um, so if you look at the other verse that uh, he uses in Surah number 38, 
verse number eight. So we'll get it up there, inshallah. The Surah Sa'd, so, uh, I think it is, ayah number eight. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, Unzila alayhi dhikru min baynina, that is it onto him the Quran has been revealed? Is it on him of all of us that the Quran, a dhikr, has been sent down? Meaning that why was it sent down to him and not us? So subhanAllah, if you look at it, the neither of these two passages nor anywhere in the Qur'an is the slightest indication that the Quraysh or the pagans, the disbelievers, questioned the family status of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. However, Margoliath, he twists the meaning of it, of these verses, and he says he was not of noble birth. That's why they questioned him, but that's incorrect. 100%. And that's why his book uh, faced a lot of scrutiny. Um, as we mentioned earlier, as well, you know, if we look into the Prophet Sallallahu family, who was alive when he was a prophet, you will see that the senior figures in his family, who were the leaders of his his tribe, like Abu Talib, uh, who was a staunch supporter of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam until his last moments, and even yeah. his uncle Abu Lahab, who was an enemy of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they they would be how can we say, in in positions of leadership of the tribe. Before the Prophet ﷺ, whilst they are alive, that's correct. Yeah, Subhanallah. If you look at the the uncles of the Prophet ﷺ, they were of uh, the nobles of the Quraysh. So that that again goes back into what we were saying earlier that they look at verses and they exclude um, uh, other sources of Sirah, um and they isolate each verse and then they come to a conclusion and then from that conclusion they. Um, say that this is why he claimed prophethood because he had a point to prove to the people that look I'm someone of significance. And generally, Shah, correct me if I'm wrong. In the Arab society, there is seniority. There is the the, the elders are before the ones who are younger. You know, like like we just mentioned the example of um of uh, Banu Abdul Muttalib or Banu Hashim, the Prophet with all his uncles who were respected figures in in the uh, Arab uh, community, the pagan community of Quraysh. Uh, it was you know it, it was generally the seniors, those who were older, then it would be passed down later on, generally speaking. Yes, so subhanAllah, seniority in age would mean that a person has reached maturity in wisdom, in his wisdom. Yep. Um, and in a tribal society like uh, Mecca, the concept of one family being lower in origin than the other is uh, is basically uh, equivalent to a curse. Um it's it's something that is looked down upon and something that people disassociate themselves with, and the clans consisting of the tribes were all descendant of the, of the same uh, ancestor, uh, or distant ancestor. No. So all of the, the Meccans they had a common ancestor, um, and also they were very closely interrelated through the ties of blood, or um, marriage, mm. and of course we hear in poetry. If you look at uh, ancient Arabic poetry, you'll see individuals boasting of their superior superiority, um, uh, and 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 of course uh, of their respective families and tribes. But these were more often like exaggerations. Um, so if you can imagine uh, what's poetry equivalent to in our days, where people exaggerate music, music, <laughs> people exaggerate in music 
um, a lot of things. Same thing in in, in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi they used poetry, and, and in poetry they used to exaggerate and they used to offend each other and put each other down. Um, uh, and, maybe, and, and maybe music with social media now mixed with, together over exaggeration, fake. Yeah. yeah. So subhanallah, and poetry in that time was was a tool of that, and um, and basically uh, the poetry that had um, people putting down each other's tribes and ancestry. Um, they were not. Uh, they were basically there to induce um, uh, intertribal rivalry and uh, empty claims uh, rather than true statements. So, Sheikh, no doubt the Prophet ﷺ was from noble lineage, a noble family, a well-respected tribe in Mecca, one of the stronger tribes as well in, 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 in Mecca. And Mecca, you know, maybe you can tackle another time. Mecca was a very tribal society, lived by the tribe, died by the tribe, and it's evident that his tribe was strong, noble, because he was protected by his uncle, who was basically the leader of the tribe, Abu Talib, um, and no one would dare touch him physically, yeah. uh, to say the least, um, yeah. when he was alive. Yeah, and that's correct. So we understand that he came from a noble background. So uh, you know we can we can put that claim of uh, of this Orientalist to to bed basically that uh, that this is not true that he came from a noble background. And what you have used as evidence to support that he was not from a noble background is a misinterpretation. Sheikh, before we move on, one one more final question regarding this. I know you've touched upon it briefly. Yeah. What is the intent of these <coughs> Orientalists say, by, by them saying and claiming that the Prophet ﷺ is not of noble birth? Excellent. So, subhanAllah, this is just setting up, it's like a red carpet to their claim that the reason why Muhammad ﷺ claimed to be a prophet is because he had a motive now. You have a motive, that's why he claimed a prophethood. As opposed to if he, if he, if he was from a noble family, that will make it hard for the Orientalists to prove otherwise. That uh, he had no motives to become a prophet. He was already a uh, noble, uh, nobleman uh, from his, uh, uh, amongst the Meccans. So why would he need to claim prophethood? Um, Interesting. Yeah. So what they do here, this is basically laying the red carpet for their assum- assumptions and uh, their false theories um, that are to come with regards to Prophet Sallallahu becoming a prophet. Mm. So if you look at uh, the podcast today, um, in it we mentioned um, this Orientalist, his approach his, his uh, to, to the Quranic evidence um, to prove his supposed uh, humble family status of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He's wrong in three ways. Number one, he has distorted the meaning of the Quranic passage or passages which did not in any any way reflect the origin of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam nor his uh, family status. So the verses that we looked at, it didn't. The pagans were not talking about the origin or attacking the the lineage of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So that's the first point. The second point is that Magolith, he has misunderstood the nature of the Meccan society wherein the clans and families were not all equal in wealth and influence. None of them uh none of them did nor could regard the other uh family member of of being a person that is from a uh, from an unimportant background, because why? They all went back to one common ancestor. The third reason why his claim 
is wrong is that he seems to assume that a person of noble birth is equivalent it means invariably it means that if you're of noble birth you're a person of influence in society so that's the assumption that he has or that a man of means a man who has um, materialistic um, items and influence is of noble birth so uh, uh, so you can see that he he assumes that um, if you're of noble birth it means that you are of a person of influence already by virtue of being uh, born in a uh, a wealthy a, a high status family or his other assumption that if you're a person of means and materialistic items then you are of noble birth so both of his assumptions are incorrect uh, and 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 faulty interesting yeah. so now um you know if if we if we see his arguments and we we've clarified you know his arguments and the falsehood of his arguments this should show us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he chooses whom he wants yeah and yes the prophet sallallahu is from a noble lineage uh, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him because of his supreme qualities uh, and especially his youth points to this that he was known as the amin the trustworthy one the yeah. believed one yeah. the one who had these praiseworthy qualities and no one could in any way shape or form and I'm sure we'll get to this in future no one could attack him from that point of view from the issue of uh, of of his character from the issue of his modesty and in reality as we've just proven family lineage and status as well yeah yeah uh, so subhanallah um with regards to that first argument of his uh we now see that um it's faulty and we now know that if anyone was to come to us or if we read somewhere that the prophet sallallahu if any uh non-muslim was to say to a muslim that your prophet was not of noble birth you'll find that he doesn't that the reason he says that or the reference point will be this orientalist magolith and you can easily refute that um if you get confronted with that in 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 the future um with regards to his second argument and his second argument was that at the height of his power the pagans um uh, called the prophet sallallahu someone that was uh, a palm tree or palm growing out of dunghill or growing out of a dunghill as you mentioned a rose out of concrete concrete and that was something that uh, that they mentioned and uh, and if you look at magolith he has not revealed the whole truth itself with regards to this actual report it is mentioned in the uh, musnad which he cites that once a group of helpers the ansar came to the prophet sallallahu and reported that the makkans were saying malicious things about him and of the things that uh, they were saying uh, to the prophet sallallahu was that he was a palm tree that's grown out of uh, a dunghill on this the prophet sallallahu what he did, uh, when he heard this uh, malicious statement from the uh, from the um the pagans he he asked them uh, the uh, those present before him to tell him he's so when he heard this malicious statement that what the pagans were saying he asked those people in front of the companions to tell him who he was mm-hmm. and they all shouted that you're the messenger of allah that he all shout they all shouted that you're the messenger of allah 
in affirmation. The Prophet ﷺ said, I am Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, the son of Abdul Muttalib. And the narrator, he adds there that this is the first time that the Prophet ﷺ, um, uh, the first time that he ever spoke about um, his, uh, uh, he never heard the Prophet ﷺ speaking about his ancestry ex- except in this incident. This is what the narrator adds. And that, uh, and that the Prophet ﷺ, um, when he asked the uh, Sahaba, who am I? They said, a Prophet of Allah, you know, son of Abdullah, Abdul Muttalib. Um, and that Allah has raised him from the best families, from the best families in the best tribes. So I'm the best of you in respect of family and the best of you as in uh, as a person. So Maghawliyat's uh, uh, use, um, use of this hadith or this uh, report uh, to show that the Prophet ﷺ came from an unimportant, uh, uh, humble family that had no status um, is faulty in two aspects. Number one, he simply just sticks to what the pagans said, and that what what did the pagans say? That he's just uh, um, a palm tree uh, that's sprouting out of uh, a dunghill. That's what the pagans said. So he just stuck to that, and he said, "Look, the pagans said this. This is." Uh, proof that your prophet came from a family that was not known, it was not noble, um, uh, so on and so forth. And uh, so, subhanAllah, he disregarded the many other facts that accompany, um, uh, that support that the Prophet was from a noble family. So do you see the playing around that he does? Um, so the second way that it's it's faulty is that uh, and this is more serious, is that he withholds from the readers, from his readers, the important fact when he came to know the malicious statement that they were making about him, about the palm tree comment, he immediately protested and mentioned before the audience, the Sahaba, the names of his father, or the name of his father and his grandfather in such a way that leaves uh, the reader no doubt um, that uh, there were well-known uh, figures of, of, of society that needed no further introduction, as you mentioned before, that his uncles were well-known. Um, and so, subhanAllah, and in fact, the many of the Ansar before the, whom the Prophet uh, uh, spoke uh, to when he asked him that question um, uh, were Abdul Muttalib's own uh, maternal uh, relatives. And the Prophet did not stop there. He specifically pointed out that he belonged to the best family, the best of clans, and the best of tribes. So by suppressing this evidence, um, and and this very uh, material fact, a material fact is an essential um, incident that happens in history that that you can use to make a reasonable conclusion, he, he deletes this fact in his book. Um, so and then he, and he draws up a a, a a conclusion that is far from the truth. Um, so by deleting this, um, he uh, he tries to maneuver and to turn one of the decisive evidences in favor of the Prophet wasallam's noble lineage against him. So Subhanallah, this hadith is actually one of the strongest evidences that shows that he's from a noble family you know one of the 
uh, yeah, one of the best evidence that you can use. But however, he by just taking one um, portion of this hadith, this narration, and and then suppressing the rest of it, he turns it all the way around and gives it the opposite meaning. So subhanAllah, we need to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is just a general advice that whenever we quote evidences that we need to look at everything that has come, otherwise you'll be able to prove anything and ascribe anything to Islam. They basically cut and paste, come up, you know, a paper we can say took just part of the story, yeah. mentioned it and twisted it as well. Yeah, and and, and, and subhanAllah, he came up with, uh, and he invented a, a meaning that's completely opposite. Um, so subhanAllah, and... Uh, no doubt that this this hadith that we just mentioned, or this incident, this material evidence is one of the strongest evidence in favor of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam status, um, and then this fact is is well known. Subhanallah. Barakallahu fiqti Sheikh, and uh, you know we can speak all night, but sadly we've come to the end of tonight's uh, podcast, podcast three, episode three. Any final comments, Sheikh? Any any final words? My advice will be always read, always read and read and uh, attend lessons, Sharia courses, learn knowledge from cradle to the grave and um, and, and, and uh, you know, have, have the sincerity. And inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the tawfiq. Do not get uh, caught up in, in, in learning Islam through uh, uh, media platforms. Um, and then uh, structured learning is structured learning yes so media platforms are okay but uh, structured learning where you want to excel in Islamic knowledge it should be in the in the actual masjid sitting down knee uh, to knee yes face to, to face face to face as, as, as with Jibreel with people yeah and with learning sheikh and yeah, students so, of knowledge inshallah and um, seeking out the, the truth and all, always making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he guides you to the to the um, to the to the correct path and keeps you there uh, because there's a lot of innovations that are being uh, propagated out there and so easily accessible um, uh, on social media um, clips that are going around that give wrong information about Islam and then people get attached to speakers who are um, promoting innovation, bid'ah. So be careful, um, make sure that you read and uh, you reference everything back to a learned person, uh, the sheikh, uh, and attend structured courses and any progress through your Islamic knowledge. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless uh, our viewers um, and uh, your families inshallah with all the best in this dunya and the akhirah. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us sincere um, and and to unite us. I'd like to thank the chef for being with us. I'd like to thank the tech man. I'd like to thank all the brothers and sisters watching on wherever you may be watching. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Being Ready Australia and also all our social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Threads. We're on Instagram. Also... Rumble? We're on Rumble. TikTok, Al-Bayan Radio is there on TikTok. And make sure you download the app on the Apple uh, App Store and Google Play Store, Al-Bayan Radio. And also our podcast. That's that's our main platforms there for listening and catching up to all our material over the last, alhamdulillah, 10 years. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Podbean, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts. you find us there. You can subscribe, listen to all our programs. Whenever you like, however you like, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum and until next time, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.